You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Simpsonville teaching pastor, Jason Thompson. Good morning. It's great to see you guys. All of you wondering about Pastor Jeremy, please know he did arrive safely. He is alive and well. He is just over in Greenville, along with Pastor Dean and all of our elders, to celebrate the one-year anniversary of the Greenville location. And so they are just living it up over there and celebrating, and we're excited for them. We've been lifting them up in prayer all week. Um, and, but I get another opportunity to continue our series, First Things First. So I would love for you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start with verse 25. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. So we're in this series called First Things First, and I thought it's probably appropriate for us to go ahead and look at what Jesus said to put first, all right? He he would know best about priorities and how to align those things, and so this is very much a continuation of last week. If you look at verse 24, it's the whole, it's the the verse on the no one can serve two masters line, but then Jesus expounds on this further, and this is what I want us to look at this morning. So let's look at it together. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. A powerful passage. So Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. But that does beg the question, what is the kingdom of God? Have you thought about it? Is it just another name for heaven? Is that what we're talking about? Or Is it some future kingdom when he comes back one day and and reigns for a thousand years? Is that what we're looking forward to? Or is it a physical kingdom that's supposed to be coming now? Are we supposed to be working towards that now? Depending on what you think the kingdom of God is, is going to affect how you live your life. And I want to put forward to you that I don't think any of those theories is exactly right. 
And so I want to take you through Scripture, and we want to look at what Jesus says about the kingdom of God so we can pin down what is the kingdom of God. If we're seeking it first, we need to know what it is. So let's start with Mark 1.15. And here is very early on in Jesus' ministry, and you don't have to follow along to all these passages because I'm going to hit some verses and then go, but they will be on the screen for you to read along. I'm going to start with uh, verse 14, actually. So this is, John gets arrested, and this is, this is Jesus talking. He's, he's coming onto the scene shortly after he was baptized, and it says this. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee, where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. So Jesus says the kingdom is near. Actually, in, in the Greek, it's, a better translation is it's at hand. And it could be taken one of two ways. It's, it's either very near or it's here now, all right? And so Jesus announces his arrival, starts his ministry, and he says the kingdom, the kingdom is at hand, all right? So let's now look at Luke 17, where chapter, uh, verse 21, because this gets a little bit more detail here. And again, this is Jesus talking. I'm gonna look at verse 21. One day, or actually start with verse 20. One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. Now we're getting very clear. It can't be detected by visible signs. That eliminates some options. It's very near and now he's saying, the kingdom of God is among you, leaving these disciples and the Pharisees very confused. But then he gets even more specific. Let's look at John 18 now, verse 36. All right. And this is with Pilate. This is the crucifixion. This is, he doesn't have very long to say what's going on and explain things and the, what this kingdom of God is. And so Pilate is asking him, are you a king or the, the king of the Jews? What, what's, what's your deal here? And Jesus answers, verse 36, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. So again, this kingdom is not of this world. It's some other type of kingdom. But this is what we're supposed to seek first. There's one other section of scripture that we're gonna to go to, and I promise we won't jump all over like this. We'll, I'll start talking a little bit more. But I, I, I love Matthew 13. Matthew 13 it's just parable after parable of Jesus explaining what the kingdom of God is. And it's fascinating. His disciples are confused. The people listening are confused. He at least breaks it down more for the disciples. But again, he just, he talked about the kingdom of God is this, the kingdom of God is this, and this seems like very different things. And so in the first part, he talks about the kingdom of God is like a farmer scattering seed, all right? Now, when you use a metaphor, all right, it's really important to take what, what it's be, the two things being compared to, all right? Kingdom of God is this, all right? And so we need to figure out how that could possibly be. So this, it's a farmer. And then he goes on, 
And he says it again. I'm going to start reading verse 24. It says, here is another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds? They asked. No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, and burn them, and put the wheat in the barn. But again, okay, so clear, clear story here, but it, we don't, aren't confused about who the farmer is, all right? But then it says the kingdom of, God, the kingdom of God is the farmer. And here Jesus talks about, I mean, Jesus is the farmer. And the farmer is here, here scattering the seed, good seed, all right? The gospel seed. And people are coming and, and forming wheat and, and things that are useful to eat. But the enemy, Satan, comes in and is planting other seed. These are, are people that pretend to be believers that are sowing discord in the church. These are people that are, 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 are false. These are wolves just attacking. And, and Jesus, and they're like, disciples are like, should we, should we tear them out? Should we get them out of this field? It's really important, but it's very interesting. Like Jesus says, no. If you're just constantly trying to tear out people, you're constantly searching for heretics, you're searching for evildoers, searching for who is an unbeliever and trying to make that dividing line, you aren't intelligent enough to do that. All right, you can't separate between those two, all right? I can only do that, all right? And so, yes, we should fight against heresy, we should fight against false teaching, of, or, but that we should not get division the church and be really just fighting over petty differences. And he's like, so I'm gonna protect you from that and I will sort things out at the end, all right? And so this is what he says. All right, then he does another one, another illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in the field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. Now, I got to go over to Israel, and, and the, the tour guide over there showed us a mustard seed um, from over there, and it, it, it looked like a, a little dot of pepper, a, a black dot of pepper. I mean, it was just tiny. And he, then he showed us what a, a mustard, I would say, tree looks like. I mean, it's just a very... It's like a huge bush with very strong branches. And so, it's not, and Jesus is saying this. You know what a mustard seed looks like. He's telling the people in the audience. He's like, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. That seems very different than a farmer, all right? And so, what is he talking about here? But look at the effect of the mustard seed, all right? It is growing exponentially. And he kind of doubles down on this with the next illustration. Jesus also used this illustration, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast, a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast and three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. So if you get the kingdom of God inside of you, it, it's gonna make a difference. It can't not make a difference. It can't not expound in such a way if you truly have the kingdom of God inside of you. This is what he's trying to say. All right, and then it says, um, it has another, he kind of explains the wheat and the weeds, but this is, this is one of my favorite sections 
We're going to skip down to verse 44. These back-to-back verses sound very similar, and people confuse them. But I want, again, I want you to look at the metaphor. The kingdom of God, all right, what is, is Jesus saying that is, all right? All right? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field, all right? The kingdom of heaven is the treasure. And so we, when we stumble across this kingdom of God, this treasure, the only reasonable response is to sell everything that you have and get that. It's that valuable. That is what Jesus is trying to point out. And then he follows it up again. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. All right, the kingdom of heaven is not the treasure this time. It's not the pearls. This time the kingdom of heaven is the merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. So what is this saying? Right now the kingdom of heaven Kingdom of God is the merchant. Who are the pearls? We're the pearls. I don't think we look like pearls. I don't think we have the value of pearls. But our Heavenly Father says, You look like pearls to me. You are valuable in my eyes. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sell everything I have to buy you. So let's look at our three points. This is going to be a very brief message. I want to take you to this. But the first point from what he said is this. The kingdom of God is all about Jesus. You want to know what the kingdom of God is? It is Jesus. It is a place where he reigns. He is ruler over all. It is him himself. And as he's going around teaching, he's saying the kingdom of God is here. And the people don't get it. They're looking around, what are you talking about? We haven't conquered the Romans. I don't see any ruler. You're going around sleeping outside. You're poor. You have a ragtag bunch of followers. They were former fishermen and zealots. Where is this kingdom? And they try to pin him down on it, and he says, you don't understand. This kingdom is not of this world. Because his kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. It is a spiritual kingdom. God the Father sent the Son down to reveal a different type of kingdom. Essentially, heaven came down to earth. And ever since heaven came down to earth, heaven was supposed to stay. Even though Jesus went back, the kingdom of God never left because he sent the Holy Spirit to fill us in his place. And the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, they are one. They are God. And so this is what he's trying to tell us. My, and then he, he sits in front of Pilate. Pilate's confused. Is, is this a threat? Is this the king of the Jews? And I should be worried that there's going to be problems with Caesar? And Jesus tells him point blank, my kingdom's not of this world. And if it was, you'd be in trouble. All right? My, my disciples would rise up and there would be rebellion. We would take the sword. 
And if so, I could call down 10,000 angels and you would have no chance. But don't worry, my kingdom's not of this world. And even when the disciples did pick up a sword, Jesus was like, ah, no, 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 that's not how we do this. He told Peter to put it away. Stop chopping off people's ear. What are you doing, all right? And so he, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. This is why he allowed himself to be handed over to sinners, go through a mock trial, to give up his life and die a brutal death on the cross because that was the best way to usher in the kingdom of God. And ever since, the kingdom of God has been Jesus, and it has been his gospel message. They're interchangeable. Jesus, the gospel message, the Holy Spirit, that is, that is all together the kingdom of God. And what we are supposed to do is let the kingdom of God permeate our hearts, and it grow 30 times, 60 times, 100 times producing fruit because it is inside us and changing us. That is what it's all about. Now, an improper understanding of Scripture can bring about serious issues. If you don't understand what the kingdom of God is, then you might be fighting for the wrong things. I really think a lot of the reasons why Christianity has gotten such a bad name over the years is because we're fighting for an earthly power. And we were never intended to have an earthly power. We are not righteous enough to be able to handle power and influence. In the history of the church, over 2,000 years, I defy you to find a single example to contradict this, but every time that Christianity has blossomed to the point where it became popular, and took over the governments, the church has suffered, all right? And it's not that those were poor intentions. The problem is, once Christianity becomes cool to the masses, and once Christianity becomes a source of power and influence and money, then you're going to get more and more weeds thrown into that church. And eventually, it's gonna become so complacent that it will start dying. But here's the good news. Every time it dies, every time throughout the course of that 2,000 years that the church has been persecuted, it has grown. Because that is what Jesus says is gonna happen to true disciples. There is no way you can be a true disciple and not be persecuted. If you're not being persecuted, you're doing it wrong. Because the world is gonna be an enemy to you. The world is gonna try to take you down. And so I, I believe there has been a, a, a movement and an, an idea that somehow that we are going to usher in the kingdom of God for Jesus and that like basically Christianity will just take over the world. But if you go through Christianity through earthly pursuits, you're, there's no way to usher in the kingdom of God because the, the, the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. You've got to go through the gospel. It's gotta be the gospel to change hearts. You can't change hearts with rules, you gotta, change, you gotta change hearts with the gospel and with love, showing love to one another. And if you do that, everything changes. And so it brings me to my last point. The battleground for this kingdom is the heart. 
we've got to change hearts, and the problem is we can't do the changing. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Only Jesus can do that. But you know what? We can soft, help soften that ground by living like Jesus said to live. And it starts with the battleground in our heart. Because the truth is, we care about a lot of earthly things. We pursue a lot of earthly things. And because of that, the kingdom of God has not completely conquered our own heart. Our goal is to make Jesus Lord over this heart in our minds completely. And when that has happened, that is when the fruit comes out of 30 times, 60 times, 100 times, is when Jesus has completely conquered this heart. And then we're living in such a way of just so much love and giving of ourselves, not worrying about tomorrow at all, but just giving of ourselves completely because we know God is in control and that he has our back and that he will always provide because we trust him because he's a good ruler. When we're living that way, then people notice. People want what we have. People want to be around someone that's that generous and that loving and that giving. And we don't deviate from the truth. That's not love. Anytime that you contradict scripture and the truth of God, that's not love at all, all right? But we should be so overwhelmingly loving that people will actually want to listen to what we say, to listen to the truth. And this is what he's saying that we need to change in our heart. We, I have a child in my home, which will, his name will not be given, all right? We've got four boys in our home. And uh, this one child really struggles with delaying gratification. All right, just wants instant gratification at all times, okay? And if you ever give money, it, that money just burns a hole into his pocket. And so he lost a tooth and got $3 from the tooth fairy, and I, you would have thought that he had a million dollars and he needed to spend it now, all right? And he's like, when can I go to the store? When can we go to the store? As soon as he got the money. And I'm like, maybe tomorrow, all right? And then every day, every morning, every night, or can we go to the store so I can spend my money? I'm finally like, look, you know, $3 doesn't get you very far. Like, maybe you could get a couple items at the Dollar Tree, but that's about the only thing you're gonna be able to do. Okay, Dollar Tree, let's go tomorrow. So every day he's bugging me. Finally, I was like, fine, fine. All right, we'll go to the Dollar Tree. And he goes around, and I, I hadn't really been to the toys section of the Dollar Tree, and uh, not impressed, okay? So he's going there, and he's looking at this stuff. I'm like, oh, man. And he's like, I can get three different things. Like, yep, you get three different things, buddy. And so he gets an inflatable float for the pool, which did not work, all right? And so, and he got some silly string. I kid you not, he took that home. 15 seconds, all right? He pressed that thing for 15 seconds, chased his brother around, came inside. He's like, it's broken. No, buddy, it's out. It's, it was a dollar, and it's, it's done now, all right? But the thing he's most excited about is like he's been really wanting a, a, a Nerf gun. He really wanted a Nerf gun. And so he's like, oh, look, it, it's, a, it's a blow dart gun. And I was like, buddy, like, you could do better than this. Like, this is, this is not gonna work well. This is gonna go poorly. Like, just wait, save your money up for a real Nerf gun, and it'll be awesome. Or Christmas is just around the corner. Just wait. No, no, this is going to be awesome. And so I, I've got I've to show you this thing, because it's just, it's hilarious. So <laughs> this, this is it, in all of its glory, all right? And so what you do... 
And you take the dart, you have to insert it by hand like this, and you go. <sighs> now, he's young. He maybe has more lung capacity than I do, but the, the, that is it. And so he gets it, and, he, and, he, and I had to show him how to use it because it, it was kind of confusing. And he uses it, he does it one time. He's like, that's it? I'm like, <laughs> I was like, How, have at it, buddy. So he goes, he shoots his little brother one time, and then I think that's the only time he ever used it. And then for Christmas, the grandparents came in and got a, got a real Nerf gun, right? Right? Now that's a Nerf gun. Like, this is what it's supposed to look like. And I'm like, buddy, see, you could have saved your money up for this. There's no comparison, right? <laughs> now, we know this, and it's, it's obvious. And we laugh at how silly this little boy is to want that when this other thing is available. But we do it every single day. And the compar there's no comparison. Like, what we're dealing with is like a bigger discrepancy. We pursue earthly desires that will harm us when Jesus says you should be pursuing the kingdom of God, which is going to exponentially help us. What do you want in this life? I'm asking you to think about that seriously. What is it that you want in life? I want to be content. I don't want to always feel like I need something else. I don't want to worry about stress or fear. I want peace. That's what I want. I want peace. I don't want to worry about tomorrow. I don't want to live with anxiety. I want to feel loved. I want to know that I am loved and feel loved. I want joy. Not just the kind of fleeting happiness kind of thing. I'm talking about deep down, just can't escape it, can't stop smiling, joy. I want to matter. I want to know that what I'm doing is going to make a difference and mean something. Jesus promises all of those things. And he's the only one that can provide them. And we think we're pursuing those things with these earthly pleasures and we, we can never get enough. They never work out. But Jesus says, I can give you peace that surpasses all understanding. I can give you the kind of joy that defies circumstances. I won't just make you matter. I will make what you do matter eternally. All these things I will give unto you. All you have to do is trust me and turn your life over to me. Let me be the king of your heart.
And if you will do that, then I will take care of everything else. I'm telling you, I, I'm not very far down this path, but I feel like I have given him my heart. And I have felt a peace at times that just doesn't make any sense. And I don't want stuff. I couldn't care about stuff. You probably tell by the way I dress that he doesn't care about clothes. That's, that's for sure. All right? Just the, wears the same shoes all the time, right? It's like everything. Like, I, I, I don't care about stuff. And usually, I live in relative peace. And I know that God can give me even more if I'm willing to give him even more of my heart. And I would like to think I'm, starting to, I'm, I'm earning some treasure in heaven, but I know there's so much more to earn. There's so much out there. Jesus says to seek the kingdom of God first, and my challenge to you this morning is to turn your heart over to him, to trust him, and see what he can do with it. When he is the ruler of your heart, then the world will change. Your perceptions will change. Your life will change. The people around you will be impacted by your life and you will matter. Will you close with a word of prayer with me? Lord, thank you so much for your love. We, we are so stubborn. And just like your disciples, we are so clueless at times. You, your message is clear, your scripture is clear. Help us not to fight our own way. Help us not pursue our righteousness. Let's take on the mantle of your righteousness and live that way. Help us to love others as much as you love them. And help us to completely surrender our hearts to you, to give you everything that we have to offer, to trust you with it, knowing that you will take it and you will make it more. Thank you for being a good, good father who is patient with us and loves us, is willing to rule over us in a way that makes life better. We give you all the honor and glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at the renovation.church.